comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined tonight by uh, Craig, Rich, and returning Aaron North, and eventually Jim. How are you guys all doing? Hey, hey. Good. Happy to be here for Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> I wish I were happier about the episode, but okay. Yeah, this seems to be a really divisive one, which we'll, we'll get into as uh, we talk about it. But uh, before we talk about The Walking Dead, some sad news in the horror world. Wes Craven passed away um, just uh, yesterday or the day before as we record this. He was 76 years old, a uh, horror icon behind many, many horror movies that you grew up uh, not being allowed to watch, but probably watched anyway. Um, so that's sad news. He hasn't really done any specifically zombie Films that at least I could think of off the top of my head. Many zombie-adjacent things. But, um, yeah, it's still sad news. Yeah. It's always, when you, especially with like a kind of an, an icon like this, uh, Wes Craven, it's like, that's very sad news. But you always kind of wish that you'd, you know, you got one last, like, really great film out of him. And I'm, I'm kind of referencing my friend Scott Mendelson, who's been on our podcast, on Fair Enable a lot, who he wrote, up an epi- uh, wrote up an article just that, you know, concerns just that thing, where it's like, I, you know, you want... You want your, you know, kind of cinematic heroes or legends or what have you to go out kind of swinging. And I, I really wish there was one last great Wes Craven movie that would really kind of say that. But, you know, now he's gone out and it's, you know, it's a shame. But he has a legacy that it obviously leaves behind him because he's, he's done tons for the genre. Right. His body of work speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, m- many filmmakers don't have like, don't have a perfect track record. But the ones that he has, I mean, many filmmakers will be lucky to have some films that are as good as certain ones. Like, you know, the... First couple screams, Nightmare on Elm Street, obviously. Even the the Last House on the Left, which is one of my uh, favorites from him, which was his first film, which was just I mean that was a big breakout right there. And he just he 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 managed to shift the horror landscape in a number of ways throughout his career based off some of these you know kind of iconic films that he made. Yeah, definitely a visionary. And everybody knows Freddy Krueger, whether you're into horror or not, you're into movies or not. Everybody knows that character. Just just. By you know uh, tribal knowledge, you know who he is and what he looks like. So that says something about you know your film career if you can at least have a character like that 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 perseveres even to today. For sure, even having like you know Wes Craven's this. I mean, not many filmmakers achieve that and like kind of have that as like an inherent like I should probably go see this. Probably gonna be some a horror movie to watch if it says Wes Craven's this or similar to like John Carpenter's this. It's like that's that's a that's a good having that kind of moniker on your film and like knowing that that means audiences are gonna you know go and see it. That's that's a that's a quite of an accomplishment. He had an impact on the comic book world as well. I mean, there was there's been a lot of stuff that 
that he's written that was adapted into comics. And I know uh, my buddy Jimmy had Jimmy Palmiotti had done uh, some work with him, you know, and I don't know today. I think, you know, it was not just the movie world, but the comic world too. morning that loss. So pouring a 40 out for him right now. I actually just saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time a couple weeks back. You know, it's one of those things that like you were saying earlier, you know, through cultural osmosis, you just everybody knows Freddy Krueger, but I'd never actually seen the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a really good movie. Like, yeah. And not that I'm telling Johnny anybody Depp anything and, they don't yeah, know. But. Johnny Depp's first film, wasn't it? Right. Yep. Um, please tell me you didn't see the remake before you saw the... I've never seen okay, the remake, good. although I wanted to because it had... Um, Haley. Uh, yeah, Haley. Haley Joel Osment, and, and I'm a big fan of his, but I, I've still not... Not Haley Joel remake, so. Osment, Earl... Did I say Haley yes. Joel Osment? Jackie Earl Haley. Yes. <laughs> Jackie Earl Haley, sorry. <laughs> I'm not that big of a Jackie... Uh, 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 the other one. I'm not the big fan of the kid. Or who's not a kid anymore? But the the, the older gentleman, yes, he's quite good. I would. Uh, I'm terrible. I, I would definitely recommend New Nightmare. Um, after you know all the sequels that happened, New Nightmare, which is the I think like the seventh, uh, Freddy Krueger film that that came out before. I don't want to get too much into what's Craven, but I mean that came, that came out before Scream, and it does a lot of similar things to that movie while also you know bringing back Freddy Krueger, and it's just a very very good effort. That's one of another one of my favorite Wes Craven movies. I, actually I agree like it more than the original <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. Very cool, and some some sad news, but yeah, oh, so sure. we just wanted to pay a little bit of tribute to him. Um, speaking of other horror movies, other zombie things, though, I did want to make a recommendation. I meant to bring it up last week and forgot, but I saw a, I believe it's a New Zealand horror movie uh, a couple weeks back called Wormwood. Ooh, I've heard of this. Specifically a zombie movie, but it's a zombie movie that does some pretty interesting things. It's definitely like a, a hard R, not for a kid's movie. But uh, it mixes your traditional classic voodoo zombie, kind of, with your modern, mindless, flesh-eating zombie um, in an interesting way that I hadn't been seen before. And also did another interesting are zombies do X thing that I've definitely never seen before, which is, and I guess this is a mild spoiler, but mild for like, you know, the first like quarter of the movie or whatever. The zombies can be used as fuel. They expel a gas that can basically be used to power, like, a car, which is good because all the all the gasoline in the world, like, stops working at the same time the zombies come around. It's a very interesting twist. Kind of a fun, campy, weird take on the zombie film, but I enjoyed it. Wormwood. It's W-Y-R-M. Wood, I believe. But that's on Netflix if you guys are looking for an interesting take on the zombie mythos to check out. Um, but speaking of other zombie-type releases, Aaron, I know the Walking Dead season, I guess it was five, Blu-ray just came out, and you got your hands on that. So why don't you tell us about how that turned out? Yes, it did come out. Um, of course, the uh, Walking Dead Blu-rays, you know, come out a little bit before every se- every new season, and they're generally packed, and there, there seems to generally be a kind of a, 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 content, a focus on both providing extras and providing a very fancy, uh, you know, look to the look to the set. Like you had the uh, you had like the the uh, governor's uh, heads display for one year. You had the um, oh my god the uh, the tree walker for one year. I didn't get the fancy deluxe set thing that was this year's one, which was I forget what it was actually. I don't what was it? It was um, that's gonna bug me. But regardless, the Blu-ray did come out, um, and 
Sometimes, I mean, it's not packed with special, like, it has a whole disc full of special features. It was a little deceiving because it basically, it combined, at the end of every episode of The Walking Dead, when you're during a season, it always has, like, you can go online and look at the inside of The Walking Dead to see behind the scenes. So this basically just combines all of those extras, but it adds a few more stuff to it. It has commentaries on, I think, like, six of the episodes. I've to a couple of them so far, which are always fun. I like commentaries. Um, there's also some... There's a number of featurettes that are focused on that are character specific, so it goes into like watch Noah's journey and uh, watch Tyrese's journey. So you get kind of a, it kind of recaps the arc of certain characters that more or less did not make it throughout. I don't know. I'm trying not to spoil it, but more some made it, some didn't throughout the season. It kind of tracks some of their arcs to kind of give more, kind of delve into them a little bit, and also have the a chance for the actors to provide some insight into what they're going through as you know actors trying to make that work. Um, and of course, you know, it looks and sounds great. It's a great Blu-ray disc. AMC, I think because it's Walking Dead, it's the most popular show on AMC. They go all out to make sure you have kind of the best-looking version of the series. And what's always cool about seeing Blu-rays of these shows like this or Mad Men or Breaking Bad is that seeing an HD version of it, you know, on TV is one thing. But seeing a Blu-ray version of it in, full, like, true HD, it looks gorgeous. Like, the show, we all know how well-produced the show these shows are, Walking Dead specifically, with all the, you know, the, the gore effects and whatnot mixed with the cinematography. And it's a very gorgeous show to watch, like, at home on a, you know, on true Blu-ray and really enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a solid, there's deleted scenes, nothing too vital that really came out of there. But, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, good stuff in general. If you you know for fans that you know get the Blu-rays or get the DVDs of The Walking Dead, there's a lot of stuff for uh, for fans, and it's not super backed, uh, but you know there's plenty there for to make it a recommendation for anyone that you know is interested in having another season of The Walking Dead on a for you know to own. At this point in the show, do you feel like the special features start to become a bit samey in terms of like there's only so many times you can show? Here's how we did this decapitation. I, I worry that in a show that's been this long running, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, would start, they start to run out. I definitely know what you're talking about, and it's the kind of thing where I, say, I review Blu-rays for blessedblue.com as well still, and so I, I'm, I'm pretty used to seeing most special features in general, honestly. <laughs> so it's, it, it, it's rare that I get like super excited about certain things where I, I pretty much know how stuff got made. So yeah, with a show like this where it's five seasons in, there's only, yeah, there is only so much they can show. Um, but at the at the same time, I feel like fans are interested to a point of of what they can mainly because like the character stuff and the interviews and whatnot. But yeah, in terms of behind the scenes stuff, I mean, I, I think when you know we talk about the show, and we talk about the creative zombie kills and whatnot, and there is in, I mean, there's only you know only so many of those that happen in a season, but it is nice to see you know behind the scenes looks at like the remember like the ambulance flipping upside down or whatnot in the in a season five or th- things like that where you you, you kind of get a glimpse at like how they accomplish certain effects but yeah i mean you know showing a head being smashed there's only so many ways to show it so. but that's a good point that there are other things than just the zombies. oh yeah for sure i mean you ambulance get, or... yeah get, yeah that yeah in terms of like big set pieces and a mix of you know the, there's always different cast members that have things to say and so they have those and the, i think the commentary tracks are worthwhile so and you get the show. I mean, if you're if you're a fan of the show and you like, you don't want to. Oh, watch that it. comes too. Yeah. I didn't realize. Oh yeah, that. yeah, it has nice. the show. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah, it has the uh, has all thirteen episodes of the or eighteen whatever eighteen episodes of the show or sixteen episodes. I don't know how many shows episodes are on this thing. I believe 16, it was sixteen. Right? Eight and eight. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it sounds right. Okay. So shall we talk about Fear the Walking Dead, gentlemen? Oh, we're doing that too. Let's okay. do it. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yes, this is not just news and and other horror. I was ready to go. I thought it was going to be a quickie, but uh, okay, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so before we talk about the episode itself, let's talk about how it did in the ratings. Um, slightly down from last week, but that's not exactly surprising. Second episodes are usually uh, have lower ratings than the first episodes of television shows. That's just how it works. Um, but it's not not particularly lower. Uh, 8.2 million viewers overall, 4.1 million of those being in the 18 to 49 demographic. And of course, they was going up against the uh, VMAs. Uh, MTV's Video Music Awards on Sunday. So they they had a big uh, competitor there, but still very good. I mean, if, if Tobias announced that he was running for president, I'm pretty sure the rerun of Fear the Walking Dead would have been huge. <laughs> of course, he would have been running for president in last presidential election. Yeah, he'd have a clear advantage. Speaking, <laughs> go, true. Toby, go. No one else is announcing their nomination. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no one else is, is, is announcing their nominations for the 2012 election anymore. That is that is true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be an interesting <laughs> tact to take. Um, anyway, episode 102, season 1, episode 2, was entitled So Close Yet So Far, and it was directed by Adam Davidson, who directed last week's episode, and will direct the next episode as well. Uh, it was written by Marco Ramirez, and uh, let's talk about it. Episode 102 starts uh, back in high school as Principal Artie. Again, we're assuming he's the principal. He could be the school superintendent. I don't remember if they said exactly. Whatever. He's the top dog at the school. He's walking in the empty halls with a walkie-talkie, and he gives the all-clear. Uh, we then catch up with Alicia, who's walking through mostly empty streets to her boyfriend Matt's house. Uh, she finds the door open, and she goes in. She calls you know, for him several times. There's no response. Uh, she walks in further in the, into the house. There's flowers on floor. There's a knocked-over lamp. Um, you know, Just some minor destruction, nothing too major. Um, and she hears gasping, heavy breathing from around the corner. She walks around the corner. She says, oh, my God, and the theme song plays her theme tone, if you will, please. And then we cut to commercial. So I wasn't here last week, but of the thing, and you guys read my response or what I had to say about it. So, you know, thanks for that. And I assume I don't want to too, too, too much assume, but you know, listeners, I have an idea of what I thought of last week's premiere episode this week. I just want to point out the theme song or the, whatever you want to call it, the theme music. I really like this theme music. I think it belongs in a totally different show. That's kind of where I'm at with it right now. I think the theme music is perfect for a show. Just given the tone of this show, I don't think it matches quite well. Yeah, maybe something a little bit more space sci-fi, more like horror sci-fi. Well, less like like serious, I guess. I mean, obviously, this is going to be a serious show because it's set, it's grounded in a certain level of reality. But like, it just this this feels so comic booky <laughs> in a show that's I already based off a comic book, yet feels completely different from the tone of a comic book. So, <laughs> well, I, just, I, lo- I really love this theme music. It's just it doesn't feel like it's the right show for it. I, I agree with you, except for that it is fitting because this show is a mess. Um, <laughs> and so that being out of place is just as bad as the clunky dialogue and so many other things that I'll get into as we get further into the episode. But I do have to say the title of episode two is so fitting because this is so close to what I want out of this show, yet so far away from what I'm expecting from the people who brought us The Walking Dead for the last five years. And, yeah, it to me, it's just, it's it's a mess. 
I hear you. So we come back from commercial, and Nick, Travis, and Madison are still in the truck, and they back their way up the tunnel from the uh, L.A. River, which I now know it's called. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. Um, and they back, go backwards onto the freeway and just narrowly avoid getting hit by a truck. I thought that was kind of funny. Travis calls Chris, his son, on the phone, but he doesn't pick up. Madison calls Alicia. Nick fiddles with the radio, and there's some talk about the end of the world. You know, it seems a little bit more like generic preacher-type stuff than, like, specific of, you know, zombies in this case. But Nick Nolan notes that no one is talking no, about what they've seen. It's not even that. It's some guy who is saying the world's ending. This is a disaster of, of monstrous proportions. And he's talking about the fact that um, L.A.'s uh, football team has, has lost a great pocket quarterback. Yeah. Oh, is that what yeah. it was? I was taking notes as I was watching yeah. the episode, and I probably he was changing the wrong. stations. And it's like the first station they said a lot of police officers are shooting civilians or something like that. Then he flipped stations to another one and ended up being the sports station, where, like you said, it's you know the end of the world because they're losing a quarterback or something. So, yeah, he he was trying to find the news. And I guess he couldn't find it. Um, and he, he notes that no one's talking about exactly what they've seen, the dead coming back to life. Um, Madison gets a hold of Alicia, and she says Matt is really sick, and she can't get a hold of 911, and then the cell phone signal cuts out, which is something that will happen a lot during this episode. Cell phone signals coming in, dropping out, power coming on, dropping back out, but it's a plot point of the episode. Yeah, it's maybe it's a fear of the walking dead to find a way to incorporate classic movie cliches. Which one? Cell phone cutting out? Just anything involving multiple radio stations giving one message? And all of them. Well, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we catch up with Travis's son, Chris, who's on the bus. Uh, he ignores the call from his dad, unsurprisingly. We see the truck get to Matt's house. Uh, Nick searches the bathroom for drugs while everyone else goes in to see um, Matt. Travis discovers a, a bite on Matt, or I guess it was... Uh, was it Madison or Travis who saw the bite first? Travis. Oh. I think it was Travis. Travis, yeah. Travis does, does see it first. So they're trying to get Alicia to leave, get away from her boyfriend. Bad things are happening. You just need to trust us. Get away from him. Um, and he eventually actually sides with her parents or with her mom and mom's boyfriend and says, look, my parents will be home soon. I'll be fine. I love you. So you need to leave with your family. Can I just say that Alicia did not listen to her mother at all. She, the mother said, get away from Matt. He could be contagious on the cell phone. Didn't listen to her there. It goes, oh, right. Yeah. Then the, they come to the house. Maddie oh. says, get away from him. She still says, no, what are you talking about? What are you psychotic or something? And then she hugs him right. at the end. <laughs> Look, she's been sitting next to him for, what, half an hour at that care. point? If she's going to get that's sick, what she's going to She said that, I, but I, it's like, come on, listen to your mother at least once. At least, you know, get away from the guy. And that's that's one of the things that is not working on this show is they have not only written the teenage angst and, and rebellion so poorly, but first of all, the actress that's playing um, uh, Alicia, she... She does look like she's 17, 18 years old, even though the actress is 22. But the way that actress carries herself, I'm just not buying that she's a teenager. It's just not coming off that way. Chris, um, Travis's son on the bus, I get it, that's the first time he called. But throughout this entire episode, he called Chris several times. Now, I don't care how much of a rebellious teen you are and all these other things. If a parent has called you over and over and over several times, something is probably wrong. No, not necessarily. I or your parents just call you way too often. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I don't like the way, I, I don't think that they've written these teenagers very well. You know, they're they're not behaving the way that I would expect it. And I, mostly her, like I said, she looks the part, but I just, she seems more like a kid that's in college 
than a kid about to graduate high school. So it's like watching Saved by the Bell and you see these, these actors that are 25 years old playing 17-year-olds. Is that kind of what it is? looks like that. Well, especially right. when they pause it and talk to the camera. That's kind of weird. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I, I, had, I didn't take note of her posture, so I'll have to go back and watch that. But like I already said with Chris, him not answering the phone, I totally buy that. And at least for on Alicia's part, with the thing of her not listening to her mom, her mom, and this is my only real gripe with Madison so far, she's not telling Alicia anything. Like, throughout the episode, she consistently refuses to tell Alicia there are dead people getting up and attacking the living, which seems like pretty important information, and Travis does the same thing. Like, he eventually tells Liza, I guess at the end of the episode, spoilers, but, like, you'd think this would be bigger news you might want to share with the people you don't want to be attacked by the undead. And when we get to where Travis is calling his ex-wife, I got commentary there, too, along <laughs> the same lines. I'm just telling you, it, it's a mess. Like, it, at least with that, when I get, you know, their relationships on the rocks, you know, obviously, and he's worried she's not even going to listen to him, and she's just going to think he's crazy. But with the, particularly with Madison and Alicia, it's like, this seems like, you know, if you're going to be holed up in your house, staying away from the evil outside, might be a good idea to know what the evil outside is. You know, exactly. so yep. she stays there. But like I said, that's the one thing. Anyway. I kept feeling like I missed something. Like, clearly they must have said that they're zombies. So <laughs> you know, that's that's why and, you, you and would I be mean, compelled to stay. And then, no, that, that wasn't it. To be fair, I also thought that when Travis does tell Liza at the end of the episode, you know, dead people are getting back up, he doesn't. he also doesn't actually know that. He knows something really weird happened with Calvin last episode, but he didn't see Calvin die. He just saw Calvin survive getting hit by a car twice, which, no offense, I think the average person might be able to do in a low But they saw the video, too. They saw that uh, camera video from the last episode. So they had that plus Calvin. I guess they put it all together, and they figured it it was was going down. And and Calvin had... um, his arm bone sticking straight out, his femur sticking straight out, his lower jaw was gone. I, I feel mean, like this is the kind of conversation we're going to get into week after week, given that this is the beginning of the zombie <laughs> outbreak, just because we don't know what it's going to be like to you know, go through a zombie outbreak. So I, I like guess people... my point is, and you guys are all absolutely yeah. right, but I, I find this weird issue with myself, I should be clear, that this is my issue, where I feel like they're putting things together both too quickly and too slowly at the same time, and I, I don't totally know how agree. that works. I don't know how that's possible, but that's my issue. And again, that's based on two lines, or, you know, one line and one lack of line, but whatever. So, the family gets home, the family in this case being, you know, Nick, Alicia, Madison, Travis. Uh, there's a birthday party next door or across the street. Chris hears about cops shooting a homeless guy when he's on the bus like 20 times. This guy gets on the bus and starts yelling at it. So he gets off to check that out. And we're we're flashing back and forth between multiple things happening here. Um, Nick warns Madison that he's about to go into withdrawal and it's going to be pretty bad. So they need to come up with a plan, which good good thinking. Um, Travis goes to get Liza and Chris, his ex and his son, um, and he washes blood off the hood of his truck first, which uh, gives Madison time to go next door to the party to warn them that things are bad. But again, just generally things are bad. We don't get a sense that she's telling them exactly what she saw because either no one listens to her or whatever. But going back to the truck, I did like that the, there's one spot of blood and it works perfectly as something that would not get you pulled over because it's so symmetrical. I don't know if anybody else noted that, but 
Right. Like, it's definitely blood on the hood of this car, but at the same time, if you saw it, you wouldn't think that guy has blood on the hood of this car. M- mixed with the broken windshield that's already there on the car, too. Well, <laughs> yeah, true, and, that, and that's a problem, too. I, that's another reason that this show is a mess, is the continuity issues. Um, there were times in the last episode where we saw the windshield yep. cracked, we saw it not cracked. To this episode, it's cracked here. Later, when he's driving around, when the the police are putting the water in the trunk and all that, it's not <laughs> cracked again. And then later, it's cracked again. And so I'm just wondering, they must have filmed like many scenes of the different episodes in in at one time. I don't know, but it is all out of order. The birthday party across the street. Um, you know, they have the balloons are are going away. You know, but every time that we see the scene there's more balloons you know there's just continuity issues left and right people's wardrobe changes that shouldn't change because they haven't gone anywhere to change their (laughs) wardrobe i mean i just from from a from a, a network and a production team and everything that has brought us such good television for five years They've been working on this thing for a year and a half. They couldn't have done better in these six episodes to have some level of, you know, continuity. Well, yeah, I mean, and now I, I agree with you to a point, actually, that it does seem like what, what I'm getting to is that the show seems rushed. That's kind of something I'm looking at. Like, and, there you I go, mean, yeah. we, We've been saying, yeah, like the show's been announced for a while, but we didn't really start seeing stuff until earlier, you know, this summer. Um you know, and that's not many months before the show's premiered. And I'm not sure if they're, you know, if this release date was something that they just needed to rush to get to or what. But I, I do side with Rich here. I do. I think he has some points to the bank. It just it feels like there's maybe they had some ideas and they just shuffled things around the editing to get certain shots in at a certain point, And it just feels like very noticeable because of that. And, and that is so obviously and you should know, Aaron. That mm-hmm. is so obviously not Los Angeles. It is obvious. That, oh, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. You, know, you can tell. I mean, you can't tell it's Vancouver, but you can tell they are not shooting in L.A. Well, they brought they brought in the, the smog filter, so they're trying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the director's the same in both episodes, Adam Davidson, and I think they were very deliberate in the way they shot these first couple of episodes. At least it seems that way. They wanted it to look different oh, yeah. than The Walking Dead. It's a lot of handheld camera. You don't see so much of that in The Walking Dead, believe it or not. You, you see some, but not not a crazy amount like there is here. A lot of out-of-focus shots. Yeah, it's very, very for the steady. most part. And this show's not. They're framing it differently. Maybe they're trying too hard to set this show apart <laughs> from The Walking Dead from a stylistic standpoint that it's bothering us. Yeah. It's something I can I can appreciate a show like this trying to be different, obviously, because if I'm going to watch a spinoff sure. of The Walking Dead, I want to watch something that's, you know, actually a spinoff, something that, you know, come from this but not the same, because that's what's going to keep me interested, not seeing the same show but, you know, slightly different. So this show, yeah, it it has a it has a distinctive look and style that it's going for, and I can only hope that it, you know, finds itself as this season goes on, and presumably next season, much like The Walking Dead, um, you know, it can be better. That said... I like maybe I don't know like cause, like last week was ninety minutes and this is just a regular episode. I don't maybe there was like just a lot of ideas for both of these episodes or like because this because last I, last week's episode really didn't do much for me. You guys know that already. And so like I don't know if it was just like kind of a, a longer story that they tried to chop into two episodes or what's going on here because this I mean I I think this episode is an improvement over last week honestly, but it's just I I don't know if it's it, there's just a lot that they're trying to do here and putting it all together. I'm not sure if there was, 
I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what to think, and I don't want to, like, speculate too much just because I don't have the full story or whatnot, but it just, it feels very noticeable that things are off in a ways that they shouldn't be for an AMC series that's a spin-off of the most popular show that they have. Well, I definitely feel like I liked this episode and last, well, I definitely like last week's episode more than most of you, and I think I liked this one more as well, but I also get the feeling, and I think I said this on Facebook, this would have worked better as a two-hour premiere, like the first two episodes together, and I think that yeah. would have been a way stronger just in terms of tone, like this one is much more um, tense than the previous episode, but it, you know, it starts, I mean, obviously it's going to start right where the last one ended, but it feels like it was a very steady um, ramping up of the tension from episode one to two. And it, it just feels like it would have been better um, I, as one. I feel thing. like, yeah, like if last week, if like, if, you know, if you shuffle some things around, chop some stuff out and, you know, you end the first hour of last week with where last week's episode ended with the, you know, the LA river uh, truck takedown, and then the second hour is this week's episode where, you know, it it brings you more into, like, what characters we're going to be following and then ends on that whole, like, uh, you know, Kim Dickens closes the door as the family gets slaughtered, that kind of stuff. Like, it, there's just, yeah, I, I agree. I think, if, you know, if you move some things around, chop it up a little differently, a two-hour premiere probably would have been a better way to go about something like this. I will, I will say as far as pacing is concerned, you know, this episode started out, you know, just a slow burn like last week to the point, and there's nothing wrong with a slow burn. It's just that they, they've overdone it. But I will say that from about the time Madison is breaking into the medicine cabinet in the school from there to the end, I, I felt that the, the pacing got better at that point. It felt, it felt more fluid, you know, still had the continuity issues of things you know, props mysteriously moving themselves and all kinds of things. But as far in, in, in as far as the pacing, the plot, and the action and non-action up and down, it got better. You know why it felt better? Because on. they were doing something. There was some sort of action happening. And, and there is a, you know, a group of people that watch The Walking Dead, the original Walking Dead, just for the action. They are not comic book junkies. They know nothing about the story, know nothing about anything except they love seeing bloody zombie destruction and you know there is a good bunch of people probably switching over to watch this show if they don't get to some sort of action soon they're going to lose all of that group right away right so travis is talking to his ex-wife liza on the phone uh they're arguing it's not his weekend for chris you know she she doesn't want to see him leave your son alone you get him next weekend that's that so this phone conversation i was reading uh, a review of this episode today um I think it was the AV Club, I'm not sure, um, or it may have been Variety, but somebody was referencing that this is the class. This is an example of the classic what Roger Ebert used to talk to about an idiot plot, and that is where you have characters that are just doing idiotic things that normal people would not do. Now, I get that Travis and his ex-wife obviously don't have the best relationship, Um and that they've been arguing over this whole deal. But here's the thing. She cut him off a few times, but at some point, shouldn't he go, look, this isn't about the weekend. This is about there is danger, and and Chris is in danger. You know, just to get her to listen. Just to sit there and let her yap and then go, I'll explain it when I get there. He should have done something. Should have, you know, said something else. It, it, it's just an idiotic way to go i to me he should have cut her off he should have said look there are there are people dying and he's in danger this isn't about me this is about him 
Oh, I no. mean, am I wrong? <laughs> it oh, was yeah. a frustrating yeah. speech to listen to. Yeah. Like, it's like okay, it's not like we need to like stop. I, I don't. I, he just needs to start screaming or something. It's so, like it's just like I can't deal with this kind of conversation. Or <laughs> like it's written to be this way. It's so that you just don't talk this way. That's not how it works. So now joined by Jim Dietz. How you doing, Jim? Hello, Jim. I feel really bad for the little kid's birthday party. <laughs> I was, was going to say she'll live, tragic. but yeah. That's... Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, on the bright side, she doesn't have to finish cleaning up the bouncy house. So, you know. Oh, yeah. So for I, guess, I guess there's a bright side to everything. But... Did anybody else want to see a zombie kid just bouncing? <laughs> Probably didn't get their deposit back or nothing. Just, just sad. And they lost all their balloons. Yeah. That's not cheap. Uh, so we we catch up with Chris. Um, he's walking the street. He sees an EMT bitten by uh, a walker, presumably, um, unless it was just you know a random homeless person who bit them. I, you know, I do say we talked a little about the pacing and, and issues with that. I do like how they use Chris throughout this episode, where it's just like you know ten, fifteen, twenty seconds at a time. You know, you you have a clear sense of where he is, where he's going, what he's seeing. And everyone else is trying, well, not everyone else, but Travis and Les are trying to get to him. But he is being used to advance the world plot very succinctly, I thought, and very, um, you know, just very economically in terms of getting across what's happening there. Yeah, and he's not randomly being a dick to his father. So, uh, yeah, we can not have to hate him for, uh, you know, a few seconds at a time that we see him. So that helps. Yeah, as far as the POV character, for that part of the civilization breakdown, I thought it was pretty effective. Especially, I mean, when he's down there, he's got, he's holding the camera, he feels like he's, you know, doing something good, he's he's being part of a movement or whatever. I mean, I, that that felt right, you know, that, that felt like it was it was well, well executed. Uh, so back at the house, Nick is getting sick. Madison's trying to get a hold of the doctor, but he's not calling back. Madison can't reach Travis on the phone, uh, and Alicia finally convinces her, hey... There's a place you can get medicine from. It might not be the most ethical, but if you go to the school, they have, you know, a lock up there for confiscated, you know, pills and drugs that they've gotten from the students. That would be enough to tide Nick over. And so he doesn't have to quit cold turkey and you know possibly die or just generally make things worse for us. So Madison decides to go do that. Uh, we catch up with Travis again. She wouldn't know that already for some reason. Well, I don't know that I would say it's that she didn't know it. It's just that she kind of needed to push to, hey, break into the school and steal this stuff. Because if the world ends up not ending, that's enough to get you fired. You know, okay. I don't know. I, I bought it as a, you might not want to do this, but hey, this is an option that we could take. You know, it was a good way to bring Tobias into the story again. <laughs> yes, he's my, he's my favorite character, so I agree. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, we get the shot that we talked about briefly earlier, but where Travis sees a cop stockpiling water in his trunk. At first, I thought he was stealing it, but then at the end, I, I don't think in the end he was actually stealing it. He was just buying it or getting it from somewhere. What matters is that he knows and that exactly. the authority knows more than we know or that the people know. That's that's what that's what's important about that. Exactly. And I get like probably in the very very beginning, you know, as things were going on around the country, you know that uh Tobias had told us about in last episode that he'd been paying attention to. I get that there was some level of secrecy, but at this point, it, it's been in the public that something strange is going on. Obviously, there's this talk of all these cops doing these shooting of the civilians and stuff, which um, I also get the feeling that there's a little bit of an undertone speaking to some things that have been going on in real news lately. But that beside the point is... It's not much of an undertone. They're like, there's random extras poorly acted that are shouting yeah, things that are relevant. Yeah, right exactly. Poorly. Yeah, I was going to say, that's about as subtle as a heart attack, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, 
my thing is is there is no way there is no way that this hadn't what this information would not have gotten out if police know what's going on you're going to have cops with families that are going to tell things to their wife they're going to tr- you know to try to keep them safe somebody's wife is going to or 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 husband or whatever is going to flap their gums to a friend that they're worried about i mean the fact that this is still a secret and that the government or the authorities are keeping it under wraps i just don't buy it i don't buy it it's not real to me at this point though i don't know i mean this is like the next day i don't feel like it is so much of a secret that something bad is happening but you've got the communications breakdown with the phones and the power you know constantly cutting out and i think it's more of just general LA preparedness like in terms of hey when bad things can happen in LA you probably want to get watered really fast but it doesn't seem like at this point anyone's trying to suppress information if you know what I mean like it's more just things are going to hell pretty quickly those cops were suppressing information I mean that one lady was yelling at them and every I mean they're not telling anybody anything and I get having to control the situation to a point but there's no organization to how they're doing it i mean these are the same people that the la kings you know win a win the cup and they've got this whole plan they've spelled out for months in case they did win the cup you know to to handle riots and whatnot and they just seem to be disorganized they seem to not care and I don't know. It it's just not real to me. And and the thing is, is yes, this may be the next day from the last week's episode. But Tobias mentions, you know, he's been following this for days and weeks around the country on the internet. I just I don't buy. I just don't buy it. And I I love it when when Tobias says to Madison about the same them that would have told us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you well, know. Well, you, but, you brought up about six different things here. But I mean, uh, first off. I don't get the impression, A, A, you said the cops were being, like, disorganized. There's a big difference between the very organized cops we saw with, like, you know, riot shields and all that kind of stuff, you know, acting according to whatever plan they had. And just and then, street officers. And then this one random street officer who's probably putting the water in his trunk, driving home, and then getting the hell out of L.A. Like, I don't get the impression he was suppressing information so much as being like, leave me alone, I'm fleeing. Like, that's not, that's not police procedure. That is a selfish a-hole taking water yeah. and getting out of there. Maybe. And I'm just, all the civilian shootings that people are talking about, I mean, obviously that's riling up the public. Sure. So that's where they need to come out and go, look, these aren't just people that we're shooting. This is something strange going on. Maybe they don't know that it's dead rising again, but at least these people are on some yeah, sort of drugs. I mean, I get, I get what you're something. saying, but I mean, at the, it hasn't happened. It hasn't lasted that long for there to be like an official like newscast for them to like really break out and like discuss. They, I mean, I can't, it, it's the kind of thing where, like, there's not even a name for what's going on in the universe that this show exists in. They can't just go on TV and say, guess what? We have zombies. That's the problem, so let's deal with it now. Like, they don't know what to think of this, and it hasn't happened long enough for them to really have a way to focus on how to discuss it to a large public. So it's just more of, like, a crowd control thing in a show that does require you to suspend some disbelief. And, like, there's other problems I have with the show, honestly, that just bug me more than the logic of certain cops and at this stage in the timeline of zombieism. Right, I mean, plus, how do we know there hasn't been some, you know, at least PR statement from the police? We didn't see it, and maybe that's a problem, but we don't know. The power's been cutting out, and we haven't seen the characters watching TV, for the most part. 
So maybe it's happening, maybe it's not, but it hasn't been a point of the I show. I think the writers are trying to convey that the right. authorities know something and they're just not saying anything yet. Like last episode, the hospital people, they yeah. knew. The doctor knew, the nurses knew, they knew something was going on. They knew to contain that old man in the basement or whatever it was called. This show, it's the cops. I know in one of the previews, sorry, Jerry, there is a military showing up probably in the next episode or two. So, you know, maybe the writer's trying to say, look, the, the, the authorities know what's going on. They're not telling the public just yet. It's like they're trying to figure out how to tell the public. but I mean, <laughs> the, so. Tell them what? How much do they even know? Like, I mean, we've, well, we've, we keep circling around yeah. it, but do they know that the dead are coming back? Or do they just know that there are unprovoked violent attacks at a, you know, slightly higher rate than average American life? Or, you know, like, what do they know to even well, I tell think that, that is what they know, because no one's going right. to presume in a reality that, hey, you know, it's one of those problems we practice for. Exactly. Dead are coming exactly. back to life. Yes. <laughs> well, one of the things that it seems the writers have banked on, and and to a point I, 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 I would do the same thing, and that is... They know that we're watching this general public reaction in, in a couple of families here, and we, the audience, that have been fans of The Walking Dead for at least five years, if not longer, those of us that read the comic, um, that we know a lot more. So they're playing that up. They're playing to our, oh, you know what's happening, they don't. But I feel that they're doing it in a hammy kind of way, and that they're dragging it out. A little too much, and I can agree with that. I can agree with that. My issue with that is the fact that the it goes back to the theme song. Honestly, like I feel like the tone of that theme music is fit for the kind of winking that we understand that they're zombies, but they don't kind of tone. And this show's so serious about everything that it makes it hard to kind of get initially on board. Where the like the Walking Dead, as serious as that show is, that pilot got off like running like pretty easily. Like it it. it it set up a, a world and kind of knew how to handle the out-of-this-world out of nature of the storyline while still giving us something compelling to get into. Whereas this is just kind of this slow molasses start to a story that exists in a world of zombies, but no one knows what's going on. That's like pretty much that's like a point I made last week, too. I went back and watched the pilot for the, the original Apparent series, and the pilot was, was strong. Like you said, it set up characters, it set up a world... By the end of that pilot, I was ready for the rest of the series, and the pilot for you know, for this series seemed kind of ponderous. But going off of what you and Rich are both saying, something I think they've really, really been playing with a lot. I mean, since we know it's a show called Fear of the Walking Dead, and the characters don't know what's going on, are these like fake jump scares? Oh yeah. Have you guys yeah. noticed this? Like during the yeah. show, yeah, like they'll so, set yeah. up these things like there's going to be a jump scare, the music, there's going to be a jump scare, but no, there's no jump scare. Great point. They, they do the, you know, the music, it's all part of it. They set up this faint jump scares that played to the fact the audience are watching a show called Fear of the Walking Dead, yet the, you know, characters obviously, you know, don't know what's going on as, as their world's falling apart. And that really kind of annoyed me after the second or third time I noticed it, you know? Because yep. I think the tone is just off for the show right now. I don't think it knows what it wants to be exactly. Like, it wants to be this spin-off of The Walking Dead, so it has, like, elements like the characters and whatnot and just kind of the realistic setting. But it also has these kind of cinematic techniques and decisions being made to like hey let's let's amp up the horrorness of it even though the show doesn't really denote the kind of cheesy horror tone that it kind of wants to have but not quite so it's just kind of all over the place like rich is saying <laughs> like it's it, it needs and the it production really values are almost too good for it to be a cheesy type of show Exa yeah we like, see a I, lot right. of these a lot of these slow digital pans or or crane shots you know overhead are coming down that we you know we really didn't see too much in the first series the first few you know seasons because they didn't have the budget for that you know and you're, you're they're going for this cheesy horror movie tone yet they're shooting it very 
you know, uh, you know, new cinematic style. It just, it, it, you're right, Aaron. It just doesn't seem like they, they know where they're going yet. So Madison uh, heads to the school. She sets off the metal detector when she goes in, but there's nobody there. She goes to the crime prevention office and there's a tape outline of a body on the ground. But I don't know that I get the impression that that's because someone was actually attacked there. It might just be like the standard decor of that office. I think it was like, cop humor. The way it seemed yeah, to me, because yeah. that was the cop room. That was the LAPD auxiliary room, I guess, of that high school. And, and I guess that's their way of having fun, by drawing outlines of dead bodies on the floor. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the impression I got as well. But anyway, so Well, she... and is it possible they teach a science forensic class and maybe they take them in there? Oh, Classic possibly. high school class. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> so she breaks into the, to the locker that has the drugs in it. She steals the drugs. And at that point, Tobias walks in and startles her. And he asks for his knife back. And we cut the commercial. How did Toby get into the school? That's what I want to know. She had to use a key. I mean, this school's locked down tight. The Artie's walking around with a walkie-talkie for, you know, half the episode. How did he get in? But did she lock Tobias the door behind Tobias knows her? all. Tobias Toby knows, knows all. all, huh? I mean, maybe she... Well, Toby knows yeah, all. Yeah, who knows? Maybe she didn't lock the door behind her. It's possible. Yeah, I don't think she did. I mean, here's my... And I like Toby. I actually want to see him down the road as, as something else. You know, I want him to be the Morgan of the series. But uh, you're telling me that he's worth... That, that little two, three-inch blade knife, he wants to get that? I mean... Everything's kind of in in an uproar around the city now. It's starting to boil. Go to another kitchen. Go somewhere. Get <laughs> rich, a bigger rich, knife. Rich, Rich, Rich. His father gave him his knife, and his his father was a Jedi. <laughs> I think that was a. <laughs> oh, I guess I missed that scene. I think that was I not a joke, though. That. I think I think Toby was playing a joke almost on her because he came for the food. Yeah, he wanted the food. That's yeah, that's what. And he is. ran he into her and said, "Hey, can I have the knife back?" Kind of a little zinger. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. That's what I felt. But okay, I yeah, it's just I'm like. Why is he so worried? That's why I like that Toby. You don't know what he's thinking. He's all, he's all over the place. He's, he's, awesome. he's cagey, that one. <laughs> he's cagey. Well, so far, I think he's the wisest character we've met on the show. Clearly, he's the wisest character. Well, yes. What does that say about easily the show? The, easily, the, easily the most likable, too. Yes. Yep. And I know nothing about him. <laughs> that's, that's it. So we come back from commercial. Uh, we catch up with Chris in the city. He's walking around the scene of a zombie attack. Cops and people are starting to crash or clash, mostly you know yelling at this point. But it's getting elevated, and Chris is filming it with an old school digital camera. Um, back at the school, Madison gives the knife back to Tobias and tells him to be careful. Back at the house, uh, Nick is continuing to vomit, and Alicia decides she's going to leave, even though she told her mom she wouldn't, and go pick up Matt. Um, and Nick raves that Matt is going to kill her, and when she leaves, he starts having a seizure, and she comes back and she helps him. Um, whether or not it's a real seizure or not is debatable. Um, I don't know how much time we want to waste on that, but later on, he kind of implies that he might have faked it, or maybe it was just really good timing for a bad thing he to happen. Did. I think the show. I think it's a mix of good timing and the show not being good enough to make that work well. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that he was faking it. Yeah, I think. I mean, it'd be. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I just think the show just kind of poorly handled it. Travis catches up with Le with Liza and they yell at each other. Um, he tries to warn her about what's happening. She'll have none of it. Uh, he takes her phone and he calls Chris and Chris actually picks up because it's not his dad calling him. Um, but he refuses to tell his dad where he is. And at that point, uh, Liza sees the protest on TV. I think the only time we see anyone watching TV in this episode, actually. And uh, she figures out where he is and they decide to go pick him up. I'm a part of something. I'm a part of this, Dad. Leave me alone. Oh, boy. Now, I feel that that whole delivery of all those lines from Chris and everything were very poor. 
but I do have to say is that makes sense for a teenager. Was he 14, 15 years old? Something about that. You know, that's about the time that adolescents, they're actually, you know, they're, they're wanting to be part of something bigger, no matter what it is. That's, you know, a ripe age for, you know, gangs bringing people in and things like that, because everybody at that age wants. So I, I totally get the motivation. It's just the way he delivered that. I was like, oh, my God, did they give him his lines three minutes before the scene was filmed or what? <laughs> Uh, back at the school, Tobias and Madison make their way to the pantry at the cafeteria. Um, and he takes food and he tells her she should probably stock up too, but she thinks she'll be fine. They have plenty of food at the house. Um, back at the house, Nick regains consciousness and he finds Alicia scrubbing the floor to clean up, you know, all the vomit and stuff. And he tells her uh, a thank you and she tells him, I hate you. And he replies, I know. Again, I still kind of like their relationship from last week. Like, it's clearly troubled, but they both clearly care for each other and it's working yeah. for me. Yeah. I just find them annoying separately, so then together it's almost like the annoyance is exponential. <laughs> they cancel each other out. <laughs> yeah. His accent was showing a bit, though, in a couple of those scenes. More than last episode, I noticed. His Britishness yep. was coming out a bit. I think he needs to spend some more time with with uh, Andrew Lincoln's dialogue coach or something. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, at the school, Ty- Tobias uh, recommends the desert as a safe refuge. Um because he says when civilization ends, it ends fast, which I believe was the tagline on at least some of the posters and trailers for the show. Yes. And this is where we talked about it earlier, but uh, she mentions, you know, they would tell us that kind of thing again, and he he mocks her trust in they um, after what happened last time, which, uh, hey, at least they're uh, lampshading it. So I It's like also interesting in this same scene, he mentions something about there's, uh, you know, he talks about the desert, but he also talks about safety in numbers to a point at some point in here. Something about that, yeah. But, but then later, when she says, you know, don't stay here alone, you can come with us, he's, you know, no, I'm good. So, so why is the desert okay. a good choice? I mean, why, why is that good? I'm just thinking about this now. I mean, there's no food, there's no water. Yeah, there's less people out there, but how is that a good choice? It's hard to survive out there anyway without a zombie apocalypse happening. Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the impression they're not talking about deserts in general. He's saying, as opposed to the city of L.A., moving outside the city limits into desert area, which at least somewhat borders L.A., that would be a safer place to be than where we are right now. That's my impression. The boonies, where there's just a lot, not, you know, a giant population circled around. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he's saying deserts. That's what you want to do. <laughs> I'm buying up all the stock in desert land. Um, but anyway. Especially if they, you know, if they're presuming it's a short-term type problem as opposed to a, you know, long-term zombie apocalypse, which you don't really tend to assume in these kind of situations, right, I like right. think that yeah, they don't need to worry about packing up for years, just maybe, you know, oh, right. a month or something. So that's kind well, of Well, and Travis comments when they see the, the one neighbor by himself packing up and stuff where he yeah. says he has the right idea and everything. Although that's another contradictory point where he, I wonder what the Travis who was preaching all about the, the Jack London stuff last week, how he would feel about this going off on your own thing. I mean, obviously <laughs> it didn't work so well in that novel by Jack London. Well, he needs to read Just some saying. Thoreau as well and kind of get really into there you go. the yeah. logical sense here and kind of weigh the two options. So at this point, they're right. thinking of just a weekend in Barstow and then heading back after it all clears up L.A. That's what they're, that's what they're thinking of. It's like the It's Always Sunny episode where the storm of the century hits and Matt just wants to go to the Poconos, or as he keeps pronouncing it, Poconos, um, because that's the safest place to be. Definitely. Um, so back at the school, or still at the I'm school. I'm glad we could have a podcast that, re- that has both literary references and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia references on, on the, <laughs> exactly. just like just on a dime right there. Can, <laughs> Only can, on can you get more? Can you get more cultured than that? 
Yeah. Uh, so still at the school, they hear a walker over the intercom, which I, I actually liked how they had set that up last week, kind of subtly. You know, it just seemed like something that the, the principal was doing. But here we have a callback to it, which, I, again, makes me feel like it should have been a two hour premiere, but at least it was good setup. They hear the, the, the walker. Um, then they hear the metal detector alarm sounding, which, again, more nice setup and payoff because they introduced that earlier. And they run into Artie, the principal or superintendent or whatever. He's definitely a zombie. Madison tries to reason with him. Doesn't work very well. Sta- uh, Tobias stabs him several times. Doesn't work very well. Um, with that massive knife he has. <laughs> and they uh, they fall down the stairs with uh, Artie on top of Tobias. And Madison ends up saving him with a fire extinguisher to the skull repeatedly. And then now, Madison saw what the, uh, can happen with the, someone who's infected with a zombie virus. She just abandoned, you know, her, her stepdaughter's boyfriend, you know, to die because he was bitten with the same virus. Why did she tr- think he would be able to reason with this principal character? Because she, oh, exactly. she like, walks up like, hey, buddy, you know. This is, just, this, this, I, thing, I just, this scene I, it made me shake is my head. ridiculous. <laughs> the stuff that she's seen and the amount of time that things have happened, like, I get, like, oh, humanity, yay, but, like, girls needs to know what's going on at this point, and, like, walking after this guy who's clearly, you know, not alive, or at least not all there, and, you know, blood all over him and his eyes don't look like his eyes anymore, time to reason up, <laughs> not time to reason with. I have to say, I'm I'm not liking Madison as much as I thought I would, and... She's becoming, she's not, you know, child-ignoring, Lori-type bad mom character, but she's more just clueless, just, I don't know. I just don't, I, I'm not buying the character. I can't invest in these characters. I'm having a hard time. I, I mean, she showed some emotion when she got home. I mean, after this, not to skip too far ahead, in the bathtub area, she started crying a little bit. I mean, she seemed human at that point, and I liked her so much more when she broke down and started crying. No, yeah, I think the end of this episode is where I start enjoying this character because it seems like she gets it between not going out to rescue those kids from the whatever's going on at the party over there, which I assume is a massive birthday cake fight and nothing violent, or the, you know the bathtub scene. I, that's where I'm like, all right, she, now I think she gets it. Hopefully, let's have four more episodes where she does, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I feel like like I said last week with a lot of things, I feel like the moment with her and Artie there is necessary for this character. She, you know, this is the first zombie she is going to have to kill because, you know, Nick took care of Calvin last time. She can't just go up and murder the first person she sees who she can see that something is clearly wrong if we want to empathize with her. She needs to at least try, you know, another option before she finally does it for this first time. Somebody she knows, knows well, got along well with, you know. And then she can kill him. And then from that point on, when she encounters a zombie, she can kill him. But she needs to show that humanity this first time, I think. Maybe, but to Aaron's point, she's seen it. She hasn't right? seen much of anything, though. She's seen it with Calvin. Calvin. She's uh, seen the video of the EMTs and all that stuff. The whole thing is, is I agree with you about the empathy and stuff. I understand that. But she should, she should ha- at least have enough self-preservation you know just heightened to the point of if to stay back and then when she gets a good look at his face and the gore and all that stuff just be like you know f this and turn tail and run grab 
grab Tobias and go. Not my, my, sit there walking pro- up to him. My problem is less that the scene like that happened. I agree with Jordan that like a scene like that's necessary. It's just the way it's done, I feel, is just poor. Right. Oh, that's fair a, I think, Don't I think there's wrong. a better way to accomplish a scene where a person realizes for sure that zombies exist. Maybe they're trying too hard again to make her the anti-Rick. You know, where, you know, she's the lead maybe. character here. We, we can see this coming. And maybe they want to make it really hard for her to accept this world where Rick kind of just started, you know, shooting after Morgan taught him the ways of the world, started beating up zombies really early. They want to stretch this out. I have a question, though. How did Artie get it? How did he die? I mean, and turn into a walk? He got bitten on the back. I saw the back blood, but I didn't really know. So he just got bitten. He was walking down the hall somewhere and got bitten. I mean... Yeah, one of those classic high school zombie pranks oh. where you come out of the locker and like, oh, surprise, bye. Gotcha. Okay, now I understand. Thank you. I, yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing really there. Because, like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he got, if he got bitten on the back, obviously someone, you know, they came up behind him and he didn't realize it or something. And, but, and I just want to note, she did yeah. kill him pretty good. They shot that nicely. She really whacked the hell out of him with that uh, that extinguisher. I did like that. Yeah, and I like yeah. that, you know, going back to, you know, like older seasons of the show, like, the zombie bones haven't decomposed much yet. They're still very solid. She has to hit them like five times, you know, even already yeah. stabs him in the head and the knife pretty much just bounces off. You know, it's it's not quite the soft skulled zombies that we see, you know, years it's down not, the line. It's not the mushy, cuddly zombies that we're more <laughs> yes. used to. <laughs> you can't hug these ones to death. It's a different vintage. It's yeah. not the well walker. Exactly. Uh, so after commercial, we see Madison and Tobias walking away from the school to her car, and they're both pretty shell-shocked from what they've just seen and had to do. Um, back with Liza and Travis, they're searching the protest for Chris. They find him, um, and Liza sees Hazmat uh, taking away the homeless man's body that the police had shot early, earlier, and then riot police show up as another zombie attacks. Riding starts to begin in force, and Travis, Chris, and Liza eventually end up taking shelter in a barbershop with the owners who, I closed the thing, but I think they were called the Salazar family, the Salazar according family, to yes. Wikipedia. Yep. Um, and I, I like we we don't really learn much about the three people in in the the Salazar family. There's the mother, the father, and the the daughter. I'm assuming, but I I like all of them. Um, what, what 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 we were just talking about before we started recording the the, the dad, the barber himself. Um, what yeah, is that actor's name? He's played Ruben by Ruben Blades, who is an excellent character actor. Who we've seen in many things. And if you are looking for a way to spend your afternoon one day, just go read his Wikipedia page. Fascinating man. Yeah, long long music career as well. <laughs> yes, I was gonna say better known as a musician than an actor, yeah. actually. Yeah, but yeah, I was I was I was excited to see him. Like I I, I saw him at Comic Con and I was like, oh, I didn't know he was in this show, and that's great. But he uh, he, he he's he's the kind of. He, I hopefully he provides what I was hoping to get from Dale in The Walking Dead proper. If Absolutely. the show's going to go on, like that's kind of the role that I see him taking. That kind of like confidence in the midst of this terror going on, even though even if he's a little like kind of stiff, given you know him trying to protect his own family, kind of thing. Uh, Madison drops Tobias off at his home. She offers to let him come and ride it out with them, but he says he'll be fine, and she drives off. And uh, as we before we catch commercial, we see a, a car drive by with kids in the back seat, and they're wearing um, like surgical masks, but they have like teeth and you know kind of gruesome imagery decorated on the on the masks, which I thought was a, a cool image. I don't know that it fits in the show, but it was a cool image to end the uh, the act on. I actually like that quite yeah. a bit. That was a very evocative image. I think. You know, obviously, aside from everything that Toby's involved with, that was probably my favorite shot of the episode. <laughs> it felt like a movie. It was very cinematic, the way they did that. Slow yeah, motion. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, after commercial, we come back to the barbershop where they've lost power, and uh, at least the mother is praying. They hear increasing commotion outside. They've got, like, the, the, the you know, the grates and the bars pulled down. So most of it is just auditory um, uh, information they're getting. But Liza asks Travis what's happening and what he's seen, and he gives her the basics. People are dying, coming back to life. We talked about that earlier. Um, but at least that information is finally out there. Uh, we get an overhead shot of the city as power flickers and some of the buildings burn, which I liked. Um, and Madison returns home. Nick is somewhat better. She gives him some Oxycontin that she got from the school. Um, and he whispers that to her that Alicia tried to leave, but he stopped her. Um, and then we see Madison wash blood off her jacket. She cries at what she had to do with Artie, which we talked about earlier. And then she phones Travis and they catch each other up uh, before the phones die again. Uh, these two are, you know, they're good together, even though they're not even in the same scene. I, I do like them, their interactions. I kind of hope that they're, you know, back together as opposed to having to spend like, oh, we need to get back to each other, which will probably is what's going to happen throughout this, the rest of the season. I was thinking the same thing. I'm thinking they're going to work this separation for three or four episodes now where they're going to be trying to find each other on I-15 or something. Uh, I just see it coming yeah. right now. We mostly end the episode with a montage. We see um, Artie's body at the school, which is now dark because it's nighttime now. We see houses. We see burning cars. We see riots. Uh, Nick is watching from inside the window um, at the house, at the family home. Um, car drives by. We see the birthday party being cleaned up. The power and phones keep blacking out. Um, Alicia tries to get Madison to tell her what's going on when they hear screaming. And uh, they look out the window and see the lady cleaning up the party across the street is being attacked. And Alicia tries to go out and help her, but uh, Madison stops her from going outside. And she bars the door, um, ending that section of the story. Was that the neighbor that was coughing and loading water in the car? Was that the one that attacked... Probably, yeah. We, it's really dark. You can't see, but it's the woman screaming, so presumably I mean, it's him. If they what what him matters earlier. is that, you know, stuff's happening. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, she calls him, Mr. Dawson is hurting them. Whoever Mr. Dawson is, I guess yeah. that's the neighbor, but I mean, it's you don't know if that's the same one. Right. Um, and at the barbershop, the grandmother continues to pl- pray, and then at the end, she blows out the candles, and everyone sits contemplating as the episode ends. So that's episode number two of Fear the Walking Dead. Let's get into our Buster or Artie or uh, what was the last one in the last Gloria's. episode? Gloria's. Gloria. I want to want to call her Olivia. And I was like, I, I mean, know that's we all want to call it Toby's, but I don't think he's dead. I don't think he's he hasn't <laughs> gone yet. I think we haven't seen the last of Toby. But how many Toby's knives do you get this episode? <laughs> that's what I'm with. I don't know what you guys. Are doing so Toby's it is. Okay, we we'll change it to Toby's. <laughs> Toby's. <laughs> Aaron, since I know you have a heart out in a few minutes here, why don't you give us your ratings first? I'll go for 3.5 Toby's. Um, I enjoyed this episode more than last week. I, you know, obviously 3.5 is still not, you know, glowing, but I still am positive on it. I just, I hope that this show finds its rhythm real quick here because, you know, there's only four episodes left and the show, like, it has its merits here and there. And I'm getting tired of the kind of thing. Well, it's better than anything else on on you know the this, the other stuff that's out there because it's like well, eventually that 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 pile gets full. And so this is this isn't you know the the greatest that I've seen that's coming out of uh, the Walking Dead universe right now. And so I just wanted to kind of tighten itself up, figure out what it wants to do, make these characters char- these characters more likable, and just kind of get a get a handle on what what story it wants to tell. So three point five. Well, it's apparent from the whole podcast that i'm i'm not very fond of this episode or really the series as a whole going so far um like i said the fact that there are so many continuity issues uh you know i mean 
I can put up with the occasional in a television show, but, you know, it's just sloppy cinematic filmmaking, television writing, television filming. It, it's sloppy. Um, I feel that the dialogue is clunky. I think that they're playing to the audience's knowledge a little too hard. And like Jim mentioned earlier, the tropes of, of you know, these false scares and everything else that they're setting up. Um, the, the fact that the character I've invested in the most is one that's not even going to be on the rest of this, of this season anyway. And, you know, um, really had a smaller part than a lot of the rest of the cast. Uh, all in all, I mean, because what you said before, Jordan, you know, this probably would have been better as a two hour premiere. I, I have to just kind of combine this with last week's and then take my rating down and I'm giving the two combined together a a very um, gracious two out of five. Wow. Uh, I'm going to say 3.75 Tobys and the show I, I see what they're doing but it is problematic. They're trying very very hard to distinguish themselves from the, the parent show as Jim said the original they're trying almost too hard, and and it's it's making things even clunkier than The Walking Dead is already clunky. It's making it even clunkier. The action has to pick up a bit. I'm going to speak for that end of people that watch this show. There needs to be a little bit more. You have to give the fans something. You have to give us something to be invested in besides this character development, which is coming, and I do like the characters. And look, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, Kirkman goes through showrunners pretty often. They're, on, what, the third one on the parent show? So who knows if this six season, six episode season doesn't work well, there could be somebody else at the helm and things could change. But I'll give this one a 3.75 and I'll be hopefully, I'll be cautiously optimistic for the next episode. Uh, I give this episode the same I gave the pilot, 3.5. Um, I, I agree with what Aaron was saying about it not being really able to find out its, its tone yet. It's kind of you know trying a lot of different things to see what works and it really hasn't cohered you know some shows like right out of the gate right you know from the pilot immediately have it all you know put together and in tone and 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 you know um, um story, story structure and everything else um this obviously a little little looser than that it's still trying to find where where it's trying to be it, it feels like some of the dialogue doesn't work as well some of the like i mentioned before the the fake jump scares you know playing to the audience knowledge that they're watching a walking dead show kind of got really tired for me after a while um i haven't really i'm really have i mean trouble connecting with some of these characters and really understanding why i should care about them uh so you know as it stands right now 3.5 i'll give it another four um i actually like this one a little bit better than last week's episode and i think a lot of it had to do with just the time i think you know 60 minutes is is for at least a new show like this better than than the 90 or it would have been better as the two-hour premiere but whatever that's beside the point i i mentioned my small gripes with the episode i think they know too much and yet too little at the same time uh you know a couple line deliveries here that 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 kind of thing bothered me but in general i liked this episode i i, I liked the tenseness of it i like the tra- trajectory they're bringing these characters on um and i'm excited to see more again like i said last week I don't really care about the beginning of the zombie apocalypse that they're showing here, but that's what they decided to do. And for what it is, what they're trying to do, I think they're doing an okay job. Could it be better? Absolutely. And this is not my favorite part of the zombie apocalypse, but whatever. I'll be happier once we get out of this, but for now, it's fine. Here's hoping next week, or two weeks from now, I should say, since there's no new episode next week. Here's hoping it's even better. 
All right, Aaron, you have other commitments you have to get to, so we will bid you adieu. Uh, where can people find you online, though, um, after the episode's done? Um, I write daily for RantHollywood.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4, and you can look up my official Facebook page, Aaron Newworth, and, just, and it will say Rant next to it, and there's a fancy blue check mark, so that's how you know it's official. So you can go there. All my work <laughs> is uh, all my work is there. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining us, sir. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, of course. And I'll be back next time for more fifth um, <laughs> for what you're the Hopefully, we'll see more Toby. <laughs> So before we get to what our Facebook uh, listeners thought about the episode, let's talk a bit about our sponsor. Our sponsor is DCBService.com. That's a discount comic book service and their sister site, InStockTrades.com. Look, comics are expensive. Um, at least, you know, the four of us, um, we buy comics. Or actually, I don't know, Craig, do you, are you a comic book guy? Yeah, somewhat. Not on the level you guys are. I'm more of a television movie nut and, of course, a car nut. So that's where I'm, that's where right, I'm into. Right. But you know enough to know that comic books are... I have used the website based on listening to your show over the years, and I've used the code, the, the old discount code, and, and, I, and I've used it. It's been great. I mean, I've, I've ordered some merchandise from there, a couple of trades, uh, the Walking Dead trades as well, so it is a great site. Fast shipping, really, really good. And yeah, they're a great place to go because comics are expensive. We're talking, you know, two ninety nine, three ninety nine, more often five ninety nine a book. Trade paperbacks are expensive, but if you go to DCBService.com, you go to InStockTrades.com, um, you can get great discounts. We're talking 20, 30, 40, sometimes fifty percent, or even more discounts on your your, your floppies, single issue, individual comics, your trade paperbacks, and not just that. If you're not a reader, maybe you're illiterate, and hey, I feel sorry for you. But they also have T-shirts and hats and other you know zombie memorabilia things that are connected to the geek world and the nerd world. So if you want to get your T-shirts, your hats, your uh, those McFarlane. Uh, kind of building block sets that are kind yeah. of Lego E but Walking Dead based. Um, all kinds of stuff. If you're looking for it, guess what? It's probably pretty expensive. Save yourself some money. Get it from DCBService.com. Get it from InStockTrades.com and let them know we sent you. Absolutely. It's an independent company and you can usually find it cheaper than Amazon and a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, um, examples. Um, but like you said, I, I recently got the McFarlane uh, uh, Daryl uh, and his chopper set. Uh, for The Walking Dead, and it is a, kind of incredible. Uh, it's like a, a whole, like, a, kind of like an alleyway, um, post-apocalyptic, and you know, you put it together, it's like a big diorama. It's, you know, calling it an action figure or a model or whatever really is, does not do it justice. It's really kind of like I have a little Daryl Dixon on my desk. I want there. the Winnebago. That, that yeah. Dale's Winnebago looks great. They showed it on The Talking Dead. I want yeah. to I, yeah. I have it. I have the Winnebago and it is awesome. Oh, I've got sweet. the Winnebago. I have the Daryl that Jim was talking about, and then I have the Governor's room with the light up fish tanks with the heads in them. Yeah, it's really cool. I love you know when people do like people who are big into like model trains, they'll build a big like almost like a, a townscape or yep. a cityscape, but you know smaller scale. I'd love to see somebody do that, but like populate it with all the McFarlane Walking Dead sets. Like that would just be really kind of cool. You know, having a trade go And then have a Lionel going around the whole thing with zombies hanging yeah, off the exactly. end of it. Or, uh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so we thank Discount Comic Book Service at DCBService.com and InStockTrades.com for uh, sponsoring the show, and you should absolutely check them out. But with that out of the way, Jim, what did our listeners think of this week's episode? Well, everybody, we have a wonderful and awesome Facebook group called The Walking Dead TV Podcast. Oddly enough, the same name as the show you're listening to right now. And every week we ask everyone to uh, weigh in and uh, give their opinions of the, of the episode. 
Um, we have been giving out busters for the uh, parent show. We're still kind of batting around a good name for how to rate the new show. Uh, I know we had Gloria's last week, Artie's this week. If you have a good suggestion for uh, what we, how we should rate the Fear of, uh, Fear of the Walking Dead episodes, uh, just you know, post it right there on the Facebook group when you come join. Uh, we definitely have a lot of discussion going on there, and one of the things we do is we ask our listeners every week to, you know, rate, give us their ratings of the, of the episode, and, uh, certainly true of the parent show and of Fear of the Walking Dead. And our first, uh, listener, I just wanted to shout out, it's his birthday today as we're, uh, recording this. So, uh, happy 39th to Mr. Mike Jones, um, very active, uh, poster, uh, in the Facebook group and an awesome dude. Uh, he happy gives... Birthday. Th- happy birthday. Happy birthday, Mike. man. Yeah, happy birthday. Uh, three point seven five overbearing principles, <laughs> definitely better than episode one. There are pa- some, there are some pacing concerns. The instant riot at the barber shop went down a little too quick for my liking. I'm sure with the population of L.A., it would go to hell in the handbasket rather quickly. I don't want them moving at such a pace they catch up to the Walking Dead and have to stall for time. Uh, Susan Monk, two point five out of five. WTFs for the black male characters killed off first. That's something we'll get to in a later episode. I hope we see Tobias again, but with a different weapon. Uh-oh. Uh, regarding the, the comment about uh, the, the black male characters being killed off first, uh, we, we have not ignored that. We were going to have a discussion about that tonight, but uh, then Aaron had to leave us um, a little bit early because we ran out of time. So we will get to that in a future episode. It's, we're not ignoring it, don't worry, but it's just not going to happen on this week's episode. But Jim's back, so Jim. Jim, hello. take it. Did the children meet you, or have you survived? <laughs> Fear the Walking Babies. For the little of Bubba. Susan Monk said that she really wanted to see a bouncy castle full of zombie kids, but it's too early in the apocalypse and the show is too serious for that kind of thing. That's too bad. That would have been awesome. Uh, Joe Slusher is 3.5, uh, way better than episode one. Uh, Brent Jones, 3.75 out of 5, enjoying it. Just a couple of beefs, though. Uh, he agrees that uh, not a lot seemed to happen a little too conveniently. He was hoping to see more online footage, etc. Um, they have mentioned it and shown a few clips of viral videos, but I feel like the writers already know what we know and are glossing over that aspect because the viewers already know, you know? Which is kind of a point that we were making. Uh, and the power grid failed already? I guess that falls into the government not disclosing the seriousness of the situation. And it's been happening for uh, veil, under a veil of secrecy for weeks, right? Hmm. Well, also, like, buildings are on fire and stuff, I'm sure. I'm sure once buildings start to catch on fire, it's hard to keep the power grid up and running. You know, it just takes one uh, or two Transformers to blow. I guess so. Um, Amy Jones is three out of five. Uh, absolutely better than the pilot, but still slow. Trying to give it a fair shot, but a little predictable on a few fronts. I, too, thought we'd see a bouncy house full of walkers and was totally disappointed we didn't. Uh, you know, two seconds into the pop-up right, they were going to get stuck. Uh, Belinda Ake, I must stay with three out of five exes who refuse to listen. Ooh. Uh, interesting, Travis is with his own first family, or is that just me? I hate that Tobias left the food. I predict they will be back at the creepy school for those supplies. Yeah, I mm. like the, the Travis-Liza-Chris triangle. You know, <coughs> that's an interesting, um, interesting family dynamic to have. Not only do we have the, the, the blended family with, with Travis and uh, and Madison, but having the old family as well. That that should be ripe for some interesting drama as the show progresses. Hopefully they do it right, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, Daryl Taylor from the Taylor Network of Podcasts. I had to give it a two out of five. Answer the damn phones. <laughs> I want to rate the show higher, but yet again, I found the characters and situations to be very predictable. 
All the people I thought would die, that uh, would die after the premiere died exactly how and uh, many others predicted. Uh, has around Mac 2.5 out of 5 better than episode 1, but still not connected to the characters. The writing is still kind of meh. A Tobias series I would watch in a heartbeat. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Tobias solo on his own. Yeah, he could be like the Morgan character, exactly. I find it interesting how much we all seem to like Tobias when I've read several reviews of people who can't stand that character. Just an in- yeah. interesting disconnect there. It is interesting. Rubber Nigro's 2.75 out of 5 carts of Vittles. I almost let the DVR have this one. And almost got on with my life, but I watched it anyway. Better than an episode than one, but I'm not invested in these people much yet, and I get the feeling I may miss some future episodes before I just forget to watch altogether. Wow. Uh, if it's going to be a show about people yelling into phones much longer, I'll bail. Uh, since I get all that, I don't want in real life. P.S. I wonder who bit the principal. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington. I, uh, I seem to be the only one who really enjoyed it. I give it a four out of five. I like the slow build-up of the storyline. I like... Seeing how society is collapsing and people still don't know what is really going on, um, we seem to have been spoiled by lots of walkers in the main series. It seems all people want to see—that's all people want to see in this series. But let's not forget it's the start of the apocalypse, and it's going to be a gradual story. I'm enjoying getting to know the new characters and how they're going to cope and deal with the situation. Can't wait till the next episode. But what I'm hearing, you guys in the USA are on a two-week break already. That's yeah, true, it's so Labor it's Day. Labor I guess Day. that's why there's yeah. <clears throat> And there's no you in that, so it's labor, American labor, not the Australian or British labor. Um, Pamela Burton, I give it a four out of five. I really enjoyed it. I was surprised so many people didn't like it. Uh, Brent Jones said, I'm a little surprised at the low votes as well. I just figured everyone knew it would be a slower start, as it's been explained all along, and it's the beginning. Uh, maybe starting six weeks into the outbreak spoiled us, but it's been pretty much what I expected. Uh, Mike Jones ended the discussion with the slow starts to be expected. I just feel the writing isn't up to par. So, those are uh, those are our thoughts of our people on the, uh, the Facebook group. If you would like to join our Facebook group, and we would love to have you, uh, we are over 650 members strong now. Wow, we could go take over a small country if we wanted to. A uh, very, very small. small country. <laughs> well, Luxembourg, at least. Estonia, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe Liechtenstein, perhaps. <laughs> but anyway, uh, come join our, our Facebook group. Uh, come uh, join the discussion. Join, join the ratings. And uh, again, if you have a good name for our rating system for Fear of the Walking Dead, by all means, please post it there. We'd be interested to hear your feedback and thoughts. I think with you, Craig, though, if Craig, if Toby dies, we definitely name him after him. Yeah. We'll see. I, or at least it's not. Well, I could put a question out there. We could do like a poll on the Facebook and say, do you want it to be Artie's, Toby's, you know, Glorious, or something else, and see what people vote for? I mean, I go. like Toby's. Toby's sounds good. It kind of rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Toby's, yeah. like the Emmys. Yeah, I agree. Right? I, I, like the, I like the idea of the poll, but maybe we should wait till the end of this first season for the okay. poll. If, see if we have any options that present themselves. Um, but we shall see. Yeah. So that's pretty much it for this week on uh, on the Walking Dead TV podcast. We'll talk about next week's episode, of course. But um, until then, you can leave us uh, a message on our email, wdtv at hhwlod.com, or follow us on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network. I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. Uh, Chubtoad, you are at Chubtoad01, I believe. Yep. Jim, you're at Jim Dietz. Or no, you're at Yoda Jones. At Yoda Jones. That's right, at Yoda Jones. And Craig, I actually don't know off the top of my head, what is your Twitter? I am at AutoChat Show. That is my Twitter handle. Yes. And of course, you can check out Craig on the AutoChat podcast as well. And you can check out the rest of us on various shows here at hhwlod.com. Anything else I should be bringing up, gentlemen, that I'm forgetting before we close it out? 
I don't think there is. I just, uh, I just wanted a real quick shout out because a lot of people are horror fans who watch The Walking Dead, and uh, we just lost like a really great horror director, uh, Wes Craven. Ah, yes, uh, we talked about him at the beginning, but please add your oh, thoughts. Okay. Yeah, I just between uh, John Carpenter, Wes Craven, they they are the horror directors that loom large in my childhood, and uh, uh, he was a you know great great director and uh, really great ideas and great great takes on horror, and uh, I'd, you know I'd be remiss to be on a podcast you know that ostensibly covers a horror show without at least mentioning his passing. Absolutely. So until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, when civilization ends, it ends fast. Have a good week, everybody. Bye-bye. And next week, on or two weeks from now, again, we, get, we have a week off next week, but then two weeks from now on Fear of the Walking Dead. If you don't want to know anything about it, cut out now. We won't mind. We won't be offended. Have a good one. But for everyone except Jerry... Uh, season 1, Episode 3 of Fear the Walking Dead is entitled The Dog. And the episode synopsis from TVGuy.com is Travis, Liza, and Chris seek refuge with the Salazar family after escaping a violent riot. Meanwhile, Madison defends her home. And in the uh, next week on clip, we got... We saw um, the barbershop crew making plans for the worst, uh, the house also having plans, and I believe that Alicia is saying, someone is inside our house, and of course we see zombies, cops, and rioters. So all kinds of stuff happening next week, and apparently somewhere in there will be a dog. So we can look forward to that. Woof! <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. Sorry, I'm all phlegmy today, so once I'm sniffling, I'll have to cut out. That'll be fun. Do we have any season six news? I don't think anything new came out this week. Um now that's jumping to to the yeah, forefront of my brain. That, yeah, nothing since the last week when they had like the hey, here's Talking Dead and we'll talk about nothing that actually is <laughs> Yeah, no, no, nothing. No. Okay. <laughs> they, they they've had some recut commercials I've seen. Like they've been re slicing and dicing yeah. the commercials. That's they about have it. That one, is new. it called Shadows? That one promo? That is I, that the one where it looks like a screensaver? Um, kind of, where it's like it's it's going, be- it, you know, it's shadow, but it's going cutting between the different people as yeah, the light it looks like a screensaver. I, yeah. I like the design <laughs> of it though; it is kind of screensavery. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. It'd, I'd be a sweet if I had a screensaver that I'd ride rock that all day. I'd put it on my computer. Would you really? Because it's 2015 and screensavers are irrelevant. You're telling me flying toasters is out of date? <laughs> do, do any of you have screensavers set up on your computer? Do the listeners remember flying toasters? That was the best flying toasters. That was a good one. Because I haven't had a screensaver in like ten years, probably. Yeah, I stopped that because it just fucked up my computer. That was the main. Problem. I was like, God, we're just fucking frozen on Sin City rain wallpaper. Yeah, the aquarium that. was pretty good too with the fish tank. That was a good one. I think it'd be kind of cool if you could somehow make a GIF and put that as wallpaper. Um, I think at least on a Mac you can, but it's I, taxing you... on the system. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. Let's talk about the show now. Let's do it. <laughs> We're talking about flying toasters. Well, you started it, Aaron. Come on. Is it too early to talk about the police, or should I wait? We'll get. We'll, get well as we we'll haven't get seen them yet, I'm going to say probably. Well, yes. we we mentioned about the police shootings. So anyway, oh, that's well, true. I'll, I'll hold off then because um, I have. We'll get there. A ton of problems with the police. Well, what else is new? Right. Ba-dum-bum, ba-dum-bum. Anyway. Well,